Go with me again to the book of Proverbs this morning, chapter four. We began talking last week about guarding our hearts. And man, the more I look into this, the more excited I get about it. The heart, your heart, the core of who you are is the most precious thing you have. It's the most precious possession in your life. And you're going to see that even deeper in scripture today. And I want to look once again at Proverbs 4. We looked at this last week. But look at verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. In the New King James First, it says it like this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart, he said, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation says it like this. Guard your heart, now listen to these words, above all else. Guard your heart. One translation said keep it. One translation said guard it. But listen, guard your heart above everything else. Above all else, why? For it determines, what does? Your heart does. Your heart determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. The condition of your heart determines the course of your life. This is why you gotta keep it. This is why you've got to guard it because life itself is coming out of it. The uh, Young's literal translation says it like this, above every charge, keep thy heart. Above every charge. Which is a big statement when you go back and remember the context we're in here. This is the book of Proverbs. 31 chapters from father to son. And in these chapters is instruction, direction, correction, information, advice about so many different things in life. He talks to him in these Proverbs about his relationships, his relationship both with God and with people, his relationship with family, his relationship uh, outside of family. He talks to him in these Proverbs about finances, what to do with the money, what not to do with the money. He talks to him in these Proverbs about wisdom and direction and the course for your life and things to, things to pursue, things to stay away from. This, this book of wisdom, don't forget, is from father to son. And it's one instruction after another, after another, after another. But these, these words here in Proverbs 4 should make it all the more weighty when you hear him say, above all other charge, above all else. So in other words, more than anything I'm telling you, more than anything I've said, more than anything I will say, keep your heart, guard your heart above anything else, above every charge, guard your heart. Now, uh, many people aren't even aware so much of the heart and much less are protecting it on a daily basis, guarding it, keeping it. They feel like the, the money in the bank is what you got to really guard and set up a lot of safeguards, right? To, to hang on tight to what you've got. They feel like their physical well-being. We got to protect this and people go to great lengths. I feel like some parents, if they could wrap their kids in bubble wrap before sending them to school, they'd do it out of fear. Let's try to protect and keep and safeguard. And I understand that you want your children safe. I understand um, looking at the material possessions and, and nobody wants to go without. Nobody does. But even in light of these things, what's the scripture tell you is the most important thing to guard? That's not your money. It's not your physical health. It's not your mental health. You hear a lot about that these days. It's your heart. It's your heart. Because out of your heart, flow all the issues of life, it determines the course of your life. And you got to guard it. You got to keep it. And I would even go one step further to say, if you will keep it, if you will guard it, you won't have all the same financial issues that people in this world have. If you'll guard your heart, you won't have all the same physical problems that the people in this world have. If you will guard your heart, you won't have all the tragedy that people in this world have. There's safety, there's protection. Listen, I know stuff comes. I'm not an idiot. I'm not blind. 
I'm not trying to pretend we're not in this world, but I am telling you that if you will guard and keep the heart, it will determine the course of your life. Out of it flow, out of it spring the issues. Those words are important. He's painting a picture just like water flows out of a spring that feeds other, other streams, other lakes, other rivers and reservoirs. It, it all flows out of this one spring. He's saying, look, if it's clean coming out of here, the rest of it will be clean. But if it's contaminated here, if there's something in it here, something toxic in it here, it will spread everywhere else. This is the source. This is the source of life. The condition of your heart determines the course of your life. The Amplified Bible says it like this, keep and guard your heart with all uh, vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. One more translation. I like this one. This is the God's word translation. Guard your heart more than anything else. Wow. Wow. Because the source of your life flows from it. We found out last week in looking at this, that God does not see as man sees. You remember that? We talked about uh, Samuel being instructed by God to go anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. And if you know your Bible, you know Jesse had a bunch of sons. And so Samuel shows up and Jesse calls the boys together. And starting with the oldest, Eliab, Samuel looks at him and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This has got to be the guy, right? Oldest, tallest, best looking. And that's where the Lord said these so important words, these eternal words that need to reverberate on the inside of your heart. He said, do not look at the outward appearance for the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the the heart. He's looking at the heart. Now, excuse me, I know we know he's looking at the heart, but what we're going to have to start finding out over these next few weeks is we know what he's looking at. What's he looking for? When he's looking at the heart, what is it he's looking for? He's looking for something specific. Now, it's going to take some time to lay this foundation, but we're going to get to that and we're going to find out what the Lord's looking for. And then we're going to find out how to have the kind of heart that he's looking for. And the good news is whatever he's wanting to do in your life and endeavoring to do in your life, if he can get it in your heart, it's easy to get it in your hand. People get so hung up in the natural. Why don't I have it? Lord, I'm I'm asking for you to meet the need. I'm asking for the healing of my body. Why don't I have it? Why don't I see it? Why don't I feel it? And they feel like the hang up is here in the physical. No, 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 no. The physical's easy. The natural's easy. Because if he can get it in your heart first, then it's easy to get it in your hand. The difficulty comes in when he's trying to fit something big and beautiful in this tiny little opening that is your heart. Now, why I said that with a puppet voice, I don't know. Maybe there'll be revelation later, but you get what I'm saying. That's why the scripture talks to us about being open. Somebody say open. Open. Say it again, open. Open. Say open, open, open. Don't you like that sign on a store when you're walking in? It's open. The the other option, I guess, is what? Closed. If it's closed, you can't get in there. It's got to be open. He talks to us about our hearts being wide open. Be open, he said. I love it when God uses this little word, be. Stuff happens. Think back early on, like Genesis 1. One, let there be light be and light was. So he starts speaking to your heart. Be open. Man, I like that. What did he say to Joshua? Be strong, be courageous. That's the opening of the heart. That's the expanding of the heart. And if he can get it in your heart, he can get it in your hand. 
go back here to Proverbs 4, and I want to put what we just read in verse 23 back into some context. And let me just encourage you with that in your own Bible study. When you're looking at something, read the verses before it, then read the verses after it. Man, that'll answer a bunch of questions, questions that have plagued theologians for centuries, the verse before and the verse after. Put it back in context. You ever been walking through the store with one of your children and they, you look over and they've got something that they've reached and taken off the shelf, depending on what kind of store it is. I mean, this is a nice place and they got something expensive and, and fragile in their hand. What do you say as a parent? Put that back where you found it. Go put that back. And sometimes I hear the Spirit of God say that to me on the inside. You pull a verse out of its context and the Spirit of God, if you listen, will say to you, go put that back where you found it. Put it back where you found it. Put it back where it belongs. It'll make better sense to you. So let's do that with this verse. Start in verse 20. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. The New Living Translation says, pay attention. My son, pay attention. So it sounds to me like parenting, you know, back then was a lot like parenting now. My son, pay attention. Daughter, pay attention. What's the opposite of paying attention? Being distracted. So my son, don't be distracted. Pay attention to what? My words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now, I've said this, this is originally a conversation from father to son, but take it to the next level. God made Solomon's words his words. So this is our father speaking to us. Son, daughter, pay attention. Don't be so easily distracted. Do you know that's a sign that you're growing up? It's a sign that your children are growing up. When they're really little, you remember this, right? The attention span, it's about that long, isn't it? And if you want to say something, you better get it in quick because they're not going to be with you long. I mean, it's something somewhere is going to be more engaging than what you're saying. But as they grow, what else grows? Attention span. And there are things you can say to a 10-year-old that you'd be wasting your breath saying to a two-year-old. They don't have the capacity to understand what you're saying, much less the, the attention span to stay with it and to hang with it. And there are questions they could ask you. And even if you knew the answer, you could pontificate and explain in great detail, but they wouldn't know any more about it when you got done than they did when you started. The capacity to receive it has to grow. And in one level, you're talking about the expanding of the, this natural resources, but how much more so the expansion of the heart to understand. There are some things you could ask God right here and now today, and you think, man, why hadn't he answered me? And 10 years could go by, and you think, why hadn't he answered me? And 15, 20 years later, he answers you. And he answers you like you asked him five minutes ago. Yeah. Well, why did he take so long? No. Why do you take so long? The capacity to understand has to grow. But one of the signs that we're growing, uh, just physically and naturally speaking, our attention span grows. We're able to hang with it. We're able to pay closer attention. Well, the same thing is true, if not more so, spiritually. Paying attention to His Word. How important is that right now? When you and I have a thousand and one things begging daily, moment by moment for your attention. Look at me, look at me, look over here, over here, over here. I'm a fire burning over here, come put me out. I'm a bigger fire burning over here, come put me out. And there's stuff popping up in life all the time. Not just in your own circles, but I mean, we're talking about on a global scale, there is stuff going on that's begging for your attention and what your father's saying. Hey, 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 my son, my daughter, pay attention. Pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. 
He said, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. We'll talk about that in a second. But listen, because they're life, but they're not everybody's life. God's word is life. Do you believe that? His word is life. Then why aren't more people living the life that's promised in his word? Because his life is not life or his words are not life to everybody. They're life to those that find them. Man, that's a specific group of people, isn't it? That's a very specific and relatively small group of people. When you're talking about the 7 billion or so that are on the planet, it is a relatively small group of people that have sought out the word of God, valued it enough to hear it, believe it, receive it, put it into practice. And those are the ones who are receiving life from it. He said their health, but not to everybody's flesh. You believe his words are health? Man, I do. I believe that the healing power of God is alive in this word. These are not just printed words on a page. This thing's alive. It's alive with life. It's alive with healing. It's alive with power. Then why isn't it being life to more people's flesh? Because you got to seek it. You got to find it. You got to have enough attention span to hang with it. You see what I'm saying? I want you to notice something though. In the verses before verse 23, so 21, 20, or excuse me, 20, 21, and 22. Then in the verses after 24, 25, 26, and 27. Let me pull out a few words here. Again, all this is about guarding the heart, right? My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear. Everybody say ear. Incline your ear to my saying. Don't let them depart from your, come on, from what? your eyes. Incline your ear. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Then he said, keep them in the midst of your heart. How did it get to the midst of your heart? Midst means the middle. How did it get there? Through your eyes, through your ears. If it can make it through those gates called eyes and ears, it'll get down to your heart. But look at the verse after. Keep your heart, verse 23. Guard it with all diligence. Out of it springs the issues of life. Notice verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. So we've talked eyes. We've talked ears. We're talking heart. Now we're talking about the mouth. All these parts. (laughs) Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Verse 25, let's talk about the eyes again. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. So we've got ears, we've got eyes, the heart, the mouth, the feet. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left, remove your foot from evil. I saw something in this verse in the last just 24 hours or so. I don't know that I'd really seen before. When you put all these things in the context, I know it's all about the heart, but notice that every other part is connected to the heart. The eyes, that's a part, right? The ears, it's a part. It's a part of you, part of this body. The mouth, the feet. You couple this with what the psalmist said. He said, who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So there again, you see the connection between the parts and the heart. All the parts are connected to the heart. Every part of you, literally from your head to your feet, are connected to the core, the heart of who you are. Now, some of these parts, the eyes and the ears, have to do with what's allowed into your heart. Some of the parts have to do with what's coming out of the heart. 
the mouth, and this is what we'll talk about maybe next week as the Lord leads us, but Jesus said, it's not what you, it's not what a man eats that defiles him. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. He said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said that a good man out of the good treasure of a good heart will bring forth good things. So the mouth is connected to the heart, but it's the part that's coming out of it. So you've got the eyes and the ears that control what gets in it. Then you've got the mouth. And then he said, ponder the path of your feet. Your heart determines the course of your life pondering the path of your feet. This is more than just mentally weighing out decisions in front of you. This is more than just looking at the financial ramifications of, do I go to this school or that one? Do I live in this town or that one? Do I take this job or that one? This is not just mentally weighing these things out, pondering them in your mind. There is a much deeper pondering that has to be taken place. And it's the pondering of the heart. Did you know there's power in pondering? (laughs) Who would have thought? But that's what the Bible said about Mary. Man, when Jesus was born, and not long after that, the, the wise men came and they're bringing him gifts. And, you know, this is all still so new to her. You know what the Bible said? She pondered all these things in her heart. There's power in pondering. Maybe I should say it like this. There's power in pondering if you'll ponder before speaking. See, a lot of people let it out before they ever let it settle. Are you hearing me? And if you'll just ponder some things, ponder the path of your feet. What's that mean? It means think about the step you're going to take before you take that step. Ponder the path. Lord, If I move down this path, where does that take me? And see, that's much deeper than natural understanding. The psalmist said there, and, and in the book of Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to a man. Huh? Well, that looks good. Money's good down that path. And that's the path daddy went down. And that's the path daddy's daddy went down. And so I guess that's the path I'm going down, right? There's a way that seems right. I got to work to get good grades because if I get good grades, I can get into a good school. And if I can get into a good school, I can get a good job. And if I can get a good job, I can get a good wife. This seems like the right path to me. Be careful. That may be, you know, understanding something naturally, but there's a much deeper pondering. There's a much deeper understanding and it's understanding something spiritually. Ponder that path. All the parts, the eyes parts, the ear parts, the mouth, the feet, the hands, all these parts of who you are are connected to the heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to John with me. Let's look at something Jesus said. John 14. You're a little quiet. You doing okay? Are you happy? Glad to be in church. Me too. Pondering. There you go. Pondering. Thank you, Lord. Every part connects to the heart. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's talking to these guys this way because in the verses of the chapters leading up to this, he's basically telling them what's about to go down, what's about to happen. He's told them he's leaving and uh, they weren't exactly excited about it. And later in this chapter, I believe it is, in the next couple of chapters, he, he's endeavoring to convince them, it's actually better for you if I go away. Can you imagine being one of the 12 and having your world completely rocked and changed over the last three years of your life? Seeing things, not only things you've never seen before, but seeing things nobody's ever seen before. And all because of this man right here. 
all because this guy showed up one day at your work and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Who even knew what that meant? But they just said, okay. And they went for it. And man, were their lives changed forever because of it. And now that same man standing in front of you going, hey, I'm leaving and it's better for you if I do. If you're one of Peter or the boys, you look back at him and say, you've been right about a lot of stuff, Jesus, but I'm going to call you on this one. There's no way it's better for me if you leave. I remember life without you. This is better. This is better. But you could tell they're having a hard time understanding this. And it got to the point, you see it here, their hearts were troubled over it. But Jesus said to them, don't let your heart be troubled. You don't let your heart be troubled. Other translations say agitated. It brings out the idea of being aggravated on the inside. Something's bugging you on the inside, troubled over it. He said, don't let that happen. Do you realize you are the one who's responsible over the condition of your heart? We say great things like, oh Lord, my heart's in your hands. Just do whatever. You got to be careful over some of that stuff. He's given you and I responsibility over it. You and I are the ones who are supposed to set guard over our hearts. And that's why I say, don't let it be troubled. Don't let it, don't allow it to be agitated. And here's the way out of that troubled heart. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. If your heart's troubled, you're believing the wrong thing. If there's agitation in your heart, you got your eyes on something they shouldn't be on. You've turned your ears towards something they shouldn't be turned towards. Something got in, something got through the gate, something got past the guard, and it got in the middle. I feel like I'm jumping out ahead of myself here, but maybe that's fine. Something got past the guard. Something got past the gate through the eye gate, through the ear gate. And when it did, it got down into the middle of your heart and it changed the condition of your heart. Where once you were not troubled, something got in and now you're troubled. Agitated on the inside, aggravated, bothered on the inside. And Jesus said, don't let that happen. Believe in God. Believe in me. Now, I love what he did next. He started talking to him about heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. They're upset over right now. They're upset over this raw deal that they're being dealt right now. Fix this right now. And that's what so many people want God to do. I'm angry about right now. Fix the here and now. But if you listen, you know what he'll start talking to you about? The there and then. Not the here and now. Get your eyes off this and get it on what's coming. There's power in looking forward to it. I go to prepare a place for you. He said, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Then he said it again later in the same chapter, verse 26. He said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let it. Stop it. Stop it. And so much of the time in the New Testament, when you see these words, do not, or do not let, or do not allow, if you were to look them up in the original Greek, they could have, and maybe even should have been translated like this. Stop it. Stop. So there is uh, an assertiveness, an, an aggressiveness almost about what Jesus is saying. Stop letting your heart be troubled. Stop allowing that. And I think if Jesus were to say that to people now, they'd be going, don't look at me. You're God. You don't let my heart be troubled. He said, no, I put that in your hands. I'm leaving you with peace. I'm giving you peace, but you're the one who has to set up guard. You're the one who has to put a guard at the gate and don't let it in. Don't let it in. What gate? Well, what did Proverbs 4 say? Incline your ear to my saying. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart. How'd they get to the middle of your heart? They got in through your ears. They got in through your eyes. How do you guard the condition of your heart? You do it by guarding 
what gets in your eyes and what gets in your ears. And you set up a guard. Folks, most of what this world has to offer by way of entertainment, by way of information, most of it, and when I say most, I mean almost all of it, has no business in the eyes and the ears of a believer. No business. There are things that you and I have no business feeding on. And people, they, they roll their eyes at us and just think we're, you know, some religious nut, some holier than thou kind of thing. And we're just trying to tell people don't do this and don't do that and don't go here and don't watch that. It's fine. It's fine. But it's not just about the don't. It's not just about the don't. It's about the heart. There are things in our house, if something comes on television while we're sitting there as a family, and it's something I don't want our kids to see, they have become very accustomed to hearing, shut your eyes, shut your eyes, change it, turn it off. And it's not just because it's not something pleasant or it's something bad. What am I doing? I'm trying to guard their heart. I'm guarding their heart. As a family, we've been, I don't know where this came from. We're watching a lot of basketball these days. It's been sort of our family thing. We sit down and turn on a game and, and Justice is really into it. And I've told you before, Jessie's super into it. She's like, do they have a woman's NBA? I'm like, yeah, they do. She's like, huh, okay. I can tell the wheels are turning. And she told me a couple of days ago, I want to play women's college basketball. I'm like, okay, you know, take a lot of work, but go for it. So, you know, it's just something we've kind of gotten into. Uh, basketball, pretty harmless, right? Commercials, on the other hand. Commercials, on the other hand. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a constant exercise. Find the mute button, find the, find the channel changer, do something, get that off. I'm thinking of one thing now, some movies that are coming out uh, have to do. There's, one, there's a movie coming out. Do I even say the name? called The Devil Made Me Do It. And that preview is one of the most demonic things I've seen in a long time. I don't want that in my heart. Oh, come on. You're just being silly. You're just being hyper-spiritual. No. This is the most precious thing I have. And what's more, the hearts of my little ones are children. I don't want that in their hearts. That's part of our responsibility, parents, to help them guard it until they can guard it themselves. I don't want that on the inside. Turn it off, change it. There have been, I don't know how many shows in the last several weeks. I told the kids, okay, we'll start this one, but I have a feeling they're gonna do this and they're gonna say that and it's gonna be like this. And when they do, I just want you guys to know, daddy's turning it off. Okay, four minutes in. I said, there it is. We're not watching it. And they know they get it. They get it. They don't argue with it. But what are we doing? I'm guarding a heart because out of that heart springs life. I don't want my 11 year old, my seven year old trying to go to bed with a troubled heart. Lord, help us. Thank you, Lord. Let me move this along just a little bit. Go to, uh, go to Romans chapter 10, and then we'll look at Mark chapter 5. I don't know that I've preached just these things like this before, so I'm just trusting the Lord today to help us. I believe this is powerful stuff. Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. Verse eight says, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Well, how did it get in your mouth? It first got in your heart. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach 
Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Believing is in the heart. Faith is in the heart. You don't believe God with your head. You don't believe God naturally. You don't believe God with your uh, reasoning abilities. Faith is in and faith is of the heart. With the heart, you believe. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich. Listen, he is rich to all who call on him. That's coming out of the mouth. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? What's the answer? They can't. To call on God, which results in salvation, you got to step up a step before calling and it's believing. Believe, then you call. You can't call on a God you don't believe exists. You don't call on a God that you don't believe is there. Something happened in your heart. I believe in the existence of God. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe in the love of God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to call on it. I'm calling on you, God. I'm calling on your goodness. I'm calling on your, your love. I'm calling on your mercy and your grace. I'm calling because I believe. And where'd that believing come from? Did it come because I sat down with pen and paper and calculator and figured out God? He's not a math equation. Are you hearing me? Yes. He is not discovered here. He's believed on in the heart. Yes. He said in verse 14, how are they going to call on him in whom they haven't believed? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So where did the believing come from? The end result is calling. What was the step before calling? Believing. Well, there was a step before believing. What was it? Hearing. Hearing. Something had to get through the gate. Something had to get past that gate to get down into the heart. How can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? I like this. How should they hear without a preacher? That's job security right there. <laughs> Verse 15, how shall they preach unless they're sent? Skip down to verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does faith get in the heart? The word got in the ears. The word got in the eyes. Don't kid yourself. If the word's not getting in the ears, if the word's not coming in through the eye gate and the ear gate, it is not Faith is not in the heart. It's not. That's the only way faith or believing gets in there. And how can you call? How can you call on a good God if you don't believe he's good? How can you call on God at all if you don't first believe he is? How can you call on his love if you don't believe the love? How can you call on his provision if you don't believe he'll provide? Well, how can you believe he is if you hadn't first heard he is? How can you believe he's good if you hadn't first and already heard he's good? How can you uh, believe the love if you hadn't heard he is love, he has love, he shows love, he gives love? See, when these things get in the ears, they get past that gate, they get down into the heart, then you call in faith. Now, let me show you this before we're done. Mark chapter 5. This is one of my favorite places in all of the ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter five. Just start in verse 21. It says, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Matthew's account says he worshiped him saying, my little daughter, verse 23, lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. What's he doing right now? Calling. This is calling. 
This is calling. He's calling on Jesus. He's calling on the power that's in Jesus. He's calling on the love of God that's manifested in Jesus. Now, one thing to make note of is who this man is. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He holds place. He holds position. He has power. And he's, he's got a, a religious position. And if you think back on what you know about the religious people in this day and time, these were not exactly the founding members of the Jesus Christ fan club. Let's put it like that. I guarantee you that most of the people Jairus lived with and worked with and palled around with and had similar position and places of authority. These were not fans of Jesus. These may have been some among, among them, some of the ones that wanted him dead, but here he is, catch this, in a life or death situation. His little daughter lies at the point of death. Is this the time to worry about what people think? No. Is this the time to let somebody else's opinion dictate who you call on and how you call on them? No. And you can see that. I mean, he fell at the feet of Jesus in that $2,000 suit he probably had on right there in the dirt. And man, he called and he called in faith. He worshiped him, fell at his feet. This is where faith puts you every time at the feet of Jesus. He called on him. He said, my daughter's at the point of death, but if you come, you lay your hands on her, she will live. There was so much faith in it. Look what happened. Verse 24, Jesus went with him. <laughs> I love it. No recorded words. We didn't have, we don't have anything from Jesus trying to find out more about the situation, not investigating further. Just went with him. Why? He follows faith. He follows faith and those who call on him will not be put to shame. But how can they call? How can they call on someone they hadn't believed? What does this tell you right here? Evidently, Jairus believes. He believes. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. You know the rest of this, verse 25, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, get ready. When she heard, she heard about Jesus. Now we just read in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But sometimes you got to do a study on those words and, it, and, and it's so much bigger than even just reading a Bible. That's a great place to start. But you look at those words and it literally means faith comes by hearing and hearing the anointed word or the words that came from the lips of the anointed one. Faith comes when you hear the word that comes out of Jesus, when you hear the anointed word about who him and who he is and, and what he does and what he longs to do, the anointed word, that's when faith comes. Faith doesn't come because somebody gave you some cold calculated reading of some old words written down a long time ago. Faith comes when you hear the anointed word. Just like there are some things that you as believer, as a believer have no business hearing, there are other things that are worthy of your attention, that are worthy of your eyes and your ears being turned towards them. The anointed word. As believers, you and I should be feeding on the anointed word day in, day out, every day. What's keeping you from listening to the word? Huh? This is not just a Sunday thing. What, what is it that would keep you from hearing the word on a regular basis? I can tell you one thing that might have to happen. You might have to replace something that's been getting in the eyes and in the ears. Something that has no business in there. Even things that aren't necessarily demonic or, or wrong like that. But folks, just because the news is on 24 hours a day does not mean you have to listen to it 24 hours a day. It doesn't mean you have to turn it on in the car on your way to work. If you're showing up grumpy at work, cranky, 
ready to leave by 8:10 in the morning? <laughs> Go back and take stock and inventory of what's getting in the eyes and the ears from the time they open in the morning to the time you get there. Man, there was a few years ago, Sarah and I and the kids were, we were having to drive a long way. It's a long story. We were waiting on a house we were getting ready to move into to be done. And we were having to drive a long way from where we were staying to the kids' school. It's like a 45-minute drive. And it was like crunch time. From the time they got up, it was hit the ground running. And it was just this constant hurry, 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 hurry. And by the time we get in the car, and we're a few minutes late usually pulling out of the driveway, it just takes that long. And now we got a 45-minute drive. And to make matters worse, there was like four railroad crossings between us and the school. So it was this gamble every day. Are we going to get stuck? Are we not going to get stuck? And we were getting, I say we, I was getting so cranky, (laughs) so frustrated every day. And then one day on the way to school, I don't know where the thought came from other than the Lord. I decided to turn on some some praise and worship music that I used to listen to and play as a teenager. I wanted the kids to hear it. And man, we rocked out the entire way to school, praising and worshiping the Lord. And when we got there, we were happy people. And I was like, somebody should tell people this, that it matters what you listen to. It matters what you feed on. Change the whole atmosphere of the car, change the whole direction of the day. Why? Because the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. So how does your heart get in a good condition? It's got to be the word coming in, the anointed word coming in the eyes, the anointed word coming in the ears. And now you and I have more access to the word than people have ever had in the history of the world. It's right there. It's on your phone. It's online. You can get it anytime, day or night. What's your excuse? It'll change your day. It'll change your life if you feed on the anointed word. She heard, verse 27, about Jesus. So what happens when you hear? Faith comes. All she heard, nobody stood and read a scripture. scripture. All she heard was, Jesus is here. Jesus is in town. And here's this woman who had been plagued with this for 12 years, spent everything she had, was no better, but grew worse. Oh, but then she heard something else. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. The anointed one who is the word made flesh is in town. And there was enough faith in that, that when she heard it, it got past the guard and into the middle of her heart. And she got up. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment for she said, okay, do you see the track? She heard, got in her heart, then it came back out of her mouth. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? You say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him in the exact place that Jairus was just a few minutes ago at the feet of Jesus, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, my power has made you well. Is that what he said? No. Daughter, your faith. She called on him in faith and she was not put to shame. Your faith made you whole. Where'd the faith come from? From the word she heard. Came out of the heart. How'd that that faith get in the heart? The word she heard got in her ears, down into her heart. This is so simple. While he was still speaking, verse 35, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only, only what? Believe. Believe. Where's this belief going to come from? He's going to have to hear, listen, something else. Because he's just heard a word that if that word gets in the ear and past the guard and down into the heart, it will produce fear. Yeah. 
Did you know fear and faith come the exact same way? Through the exact same gates, eyes and ears. So the first recorded words we have from Jesus to Jairus, and in my mind, he heard that word, she's dead, and Jesus, I know we've got this picture of him just so sweet and tender. Oh, don't be afraid, only believe. In my mind, he grabbed Jairus by the lapels of that coat, pulled him up in his face and said, listen, if you want me to do what you came here to get me to do, there's no room for fear. Do not fear. Now, if Jesus is just going to do this anyway, then what does Jairus either fearing or believing have to do with any of it? Evidently, it's critical. Don't feed on that word. Don't feed on, don't let that word through the gate. You gotta have to, you're going to have to have the guard up. Don't send the guard home early. Put the guard up. Do not fear, only believe. Now look at verse 37. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. This is so, this is so different to the way many Christians think. Here we are in a life or death situation and the natural inclination is call everybody. Have you seen this before? Oh, we've seen it, man. I'll tell you what. People get under pressure and it feels like a, we, need a, we need a real thing from God. This is not small. This is big. And they talk like it's actually big for God too. And they think, call everybody. And I'll call you and you call these three and those three will call three more and we'll just get this chain spread and people all over the world. Did you notice what Jesus did? He let three people come with him. Now he's got at least 12 following him, if not more at this point. But he said, everybody but you three stay here. Didn't that seem so opposite to what many people believe? But listen, it has to do with the outcome of this thing going the way God wants it to go. He permitted no one except James, or Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40 says, they ridiculed him. The King James says, they laughed at him. How quickly people go from weeping to laughing. Jesus walks in the house and there's a huge crowd of people. And I guarantee you in this crowd is Jairus friends, family, right? They've all come to mourn the tragic loss of his little girl. And you think well-meaning people here to love and support and weeping and wailing loudly. And Jesus comes in and says, why are you, why make this commotion? She's not dead. She's asleep. And they go from weeping to ridiculing and laughing him to scorn. But I love Jesus because it says in verse 40, they ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside, I love it. Did you know you can do that? There's your permission right there to take any unbelieving voice and put it outside. Oh, are you listening to me this morning? To take any voice, listen, friend, coworker, family. When you are in the middle of something intense like this, life or death, you have got to put something up at the gate. You've got to put a guard up and you've got to say, I cannot afford anything in the middle of my heart that is not faith in God, faith in his word, faith in his goodness, faith in his love, faith in the blood. And you can have a bunch of well-meaning people. And if all they want to do is weep, then you're going to have to say, listen, I love you but you're going to have to wait outside. If you get on the phone with them and they just want to know, how do you feel? No, really tell me. I, I know what faith. Okay, I get it. But really tell me. You're going to have to say, listen, I love you, but if you can't get on board with where I am, 
then I'm going to have to talk to you on the other side of this victory. And you put them outside. Didn't say you got to be mean about it or rude about it, but you do it. You put a guard up at the gate of your eyes and the gate of your ears because it matters what gets in your heart. Guard your heart. Can you see now why Jesus only took a few with him? And the Bible says that he was in there with Peter, James, and John. And he took, uh, verse 40, he took the father and the mother of the child. I love that. The father and mother, those two, Peter, James, and John, these three. What did Jesus say? He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the middle of them. He didn't say, get on the phone and call everybody. And you think it sounds good, but you don't know where other people are. You don't know that when you just start spreading the word for every one or two you might find in faith, you might find 10 or 12 that are like, this dude's nuts. This guy's crazy. And unbelief is working against you. You got to know who the Lord's called alongside of you and everybody else can wait outside. Right? He had these two and those three. And he entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age. They were overcome with great amazement. He commanded them strictly that no one should know it. There he goes again. Come on, Jesus, we got to spread the word, right? You don't know where other people are in their heart. You don't know. But you can know this. You call on him and you will not be put to shame. Jesus was her wake up call. He said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. Little girl, I say to you, time to get up. And she got up. Does this make sense to you this morning? How precious is the heart? Miracles hang in the balance. Miracles, life or death situations hang in the balance of what's gotten into your heart. Guard it. I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, church, guard your heart. I know when Sarah was pregnant with justice, we found out that getting pregnant sort of like sends out this signal to all others who've ever been pregnant for them to come tell you their horror story of their pregnancy and how difficult it was and how it was nine months of living hell and how laboring, I was in labor for 77 hours and I don't know, I'm making that up. But, but it seemed like that. It seemed like, every, did, am I telling the truth? It seemed like everywhere we turned, somebody else had a story that um, was not bringing faith. And here we are believing God for supernatural childbirth. Well, if you're believing for that, then you're going to have to hear that. Because if you don't hear it first, there's no faith for it. We had to find folks who would come into agreement with us. We had to find people who, even if they had some challenges, believed God through it and got the victory over it. And we had to find people, like I said, those who maybe even had a difficult time, but were standing on the other side of it going, God's faithful. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. Sarah even read a book called Supernatural Childbirth. <laughs> and we're feeding on this stuff and feeding on this stuff and feeding on it. And I'm telling you, it, had, it made all the difference in labor and delivery with justice. And how much more so with Jesse? She went into labor with Jesse, our daughter, uh, a month early. And uh, we got to where uh, she was going to give birth. We're doing it at a birthing center. And I'm telling you, the peace of God filled up that room. We had Holy Ghost filled midwives who were praying in the Holy Ghost with us and, and declaring the word over her. What's happening? It's getting in the ears. It's getting in the heart. Then when it gets in the heart, here's what we'll get into next time. It comes out of the mouth. Now check out that cycle. 
goes in, goes down, comes back out. But even when it's coming back out, what's happening? You're hearing it. And so it's just doing this whole thing all, all the time, over and over. And as it does, your heart's enlarging, expanding. And then when you call on him, you will not be put to shame. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand up with me? Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you guard your heart this week? Can you be mindful of what's going in your eyes, going in your ears? And, and I hope, I hope this week when something pops up, you hear your pastor's nasally voice down on the inside going, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. I, I, hope, I hope it annoys the fire out of you to the point you actually will do something about it. I hope you hear these words again. You have no business looking at that. You have no business feeding on that, but then replace it. Find the anointed word, hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. Thank you, Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you this morning. Thank you so much for your word. Oh, it's a firm foundation beneath our feet. We're asking, asking you, Lord, for the help of the Holy Spirit to set up guards over our eyes and over our ears so that only what you would say gets down on the inside. And Lord, if there's something we've been feeding on, watching and listening to that doesn't glorify you or that's bringing fear into the middle of the heart, help us recognize it. Help us see it so that we can get it out and so that our hearts will not be troubled. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.